2: And I'm Karen Moscow Bear, exploring a potential bid for U.S. competitor Monsanto in a deal that would create the world's largest supplier of seeds and farm chemicals, according to people familiar with the matter. Monsanto shares higher, up 12 and 12.5% in early trading. Applications for unemployment benefits unexpectedly increasing last week to the highest since February 2015. Initial jobless claims rose by 20,000 to 294,000 in the week ending May 7th. The Bank of England cutting its growth forecast and issuing its strongest warning yet that a vote to leave the European Union would hurt the economy, possibly causing a recession. U.S. stock index futures are higher. S&P E-mini futures up 11 points. Dow E-mini futures up 67. NASDAQ E-mini futures up 20. DAX in Germany's is up tenths 10-year Treasury down 8.30 seconds. The yield 1.75%. NyMex crude oil up 9 tenths percent or 44 cents to 46.67 a barrel. Comex Gold is down two tenths percent or two dollars eighty cents to twelve seventy-two seventy an ounce. The euro, $1.1399, $1, the yen, 109.14. And Honeywell International planning to spin off its $1.3 billion resins and chemicals business by early next year, creating a new company that will be a major manufacturer of a polymer resin used to engineer plastics, fibers, and filaments. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Tom and Mike.
0: Uh, Karen, uh, thanks so
3: much. It is 848 on Wall Street.
1: The following is from Bloomberg View. Opinions and commentary from Bloomberg columnists.
3: I'm Megan McArdle, a columnist for Bloomberg View. It appears Facebook may have been tinkering with its trending news module, injecting stories about Syria and Black Lives Matter, while suppressing ones by conservative outlets. As you can imagine, this created quite a stir among conservatives, and now Senate Commerce Committee Chairman John Thune has sent a letter to Facebook asking questions. There's no question Facebook has more power over its media space than any company in living memory. That means liberals who are fond of both press freedom and vigorous antitrust enforcement are going to be forced into making one of two arguments, neither of them perfectly satisfying. The first is that media is a special exception to the arguments for heavy-handed regulation. It's plausible because the alternative, politicians deciding how journalists should cover politics, is so obviously problematic, but it's not entirely comfortable either because exempting the media and maybe academia and the arts is so easily smacks of special pleading. Government regulation just happens to be necessary everywhere except for the handful of industries that lean most heavily liberal. My word, that certainly is convenient, isn't it? The greater danger is that liberals will end up falling back on an argument that's gaining more and more currency on the left, saying, yes, absolutely, the left should have control over what people are allowed to hear and know, because that's how we're going to build a better world. The first argument may be unsatisfying, but the second is downright Orwellian. I'm Megan McArdle. For more view, please go to BloombergView.com or view Go on the Bloomberg Terminal.
0: This has been Bloomberg View. And Bloomberg View commentaries can be heard hourly, weekdays, on Bloomberg Radio. Sterling stronger right now, back and forth. Don't want to make too much about it. 144.77 off the tenseness of the Kearney uh, press conference. Thanks to our British team. Thanks to John Farrell for helping us out uh, there. Bloomberg Surveillance this morning brought to you by Van Vectors ETF. Expect more from your Munis Target Tax Exempt Income by Maturity, by credit quality, all with low-cost ETFs. Visit VanEck.com. Slash Muni Van Eck, V-A-N-E-C-K. V-A-N-E-C-K. access the opportunities. Uh, lots to talk about. We're going to jump to Brazil, but Mike, a massive asterisk. You got on the phone. You dialed up your Verizon cell phone. And what is an asterisk around the claims report?
1: Yeah. And, and I, I want to whack myself upside the head for not even thinking oh, about stop. this when we were talking with Chris Rupke, but, uh, folks at RBC Capital Markets and also Neil over at Renaissance Capital, both pointing out that the Verizon strike has put some 30,000 people on the unemployment lines. They are eligible for jobless benefits and they have filed. New York last week, uh, claims jumped by almost 15,000. So uh, you do have to take the big rise in jobless claims with a bit of a grain of salt. We'll see yeah. when that strike settles uh, how this affects the numbers.
0: With Eurasia Group, Craig Garman, we talk on Christopher, Br- Garman. C- Christopher Garman. Excuse me, Christopher. I'm so sorry for that. It's been wild here uh, this morning. It's fascinating to me how far out front Eurasia Group was on this mess. Is the mess this morning in Brazil where you thought it would be a year or two years ago?
4: Uh, probably not. Uh, last year, um, you know, we always, you know, saw that there was a, there was a risk that the president was gonna lose her term in office and, and be impeached by the Congress, but, uh, but we were attributing the probability of that kind of scenario at anywhere between 30 and 40 percent over the course of last year. So, you know, we, we saw the risk, we flagged it to our clients, but at the same time it was hard to, to fully handicap it because, At the end of the day, the mess that we're seeing is largely driven by a criminal investigative probe uh, in the car wash scandal over over kickbacks from Petrobras, and that's just hard to to fully explain. Just because of
0: time, Mike, I want you to jump in here, but that's brilliant. This has nothing to do with the economy, I guess, is what I just heard. (laughs) Yeah, it's a
4: combination of both, right? Now, obviously, the fact that that Brazil is in a multi-year, very deep recession, and uh, and the government is very unpopular matters. Uh, but really, the straw that broke the camel's back is a is a is a billion-dollar corruption graft probe in the state-owned enterprise Petrobras and implicating party leaders of the governing party, the Workers Party, uh, including uh, the the party treasurer, that uh, that that kind of organized. President Dilma Rousseff's presidential campaign. So it was a combination of both, really, that, that led to her downfall. Now,
1: the uh, the important point to make here is not that Dilma Rousseff is uh, suspended from office as president, but that it doesn't solve Brazil's problems. Growth is non-existent, contraction this year. Inflation is running at almost 10%. The country has a budget deficit, and now they're going to have a new government that has to – make legislative changes to try to bring down the deficit and increase growth in a legislature that is also tainted by corruption. So uh, Brazil's problems, I guess, not easily fixed.
4: Now this is gonna be a very long and painful adjustment now, uh for sure, right? And uh and the Vice President Michelle Temer, assumes our office today uh in a context where his own party is also liable with this uh with this investigative probe. That said, however, uh we do think that uh that the Vice President and that the reforms he will put forth will represent an important step forward in the right direction. Uh, the Vice President is clearly adopting a strategy that, that the only way that he can survive politically is if he delivers a shock of confidence to the private sector. So the reforms that we're going to see are going to be very well received by market participants. And second, um, what we're also seeing is that, is that Temer will assume with a pretty large majority in Congress, uh, legislators are looking at 2018. They're very worried. Having access to the executive office is important. And there's a lot of support for for Temer in the private sector. So he's got those things going for him. That doesn't mean that he's going to deliver the types of reforms that markets need fully, but he will make some modest progress in that direction.
1: Something like 85% of federal spending is constitutionally guaranteed. So given the political dynamics in Brazil, is he going to be able to really make a dent in the budget deficit? Yeah,
4: that's a good question. That's probably the most important question. Uh, You know, we fully expect uh, that his economic team will put forth constitutional reforms that are meaningful. And that try to unwind the rigidity of fiscal accounts, uh, which you just described. Now, the you know, from our perspective, we think he's going to have a hard time approving reforms that could lead to a cut in spending in the very short term. Legislators, we think, are going to be hesitant to approve these kind of reforms that can be a liability for them in 2018. Now, the sweet spot that we see Temer being able to operate is to is to have these reforms and try to unwind these rigidities over time. So if we're talking about things like implementing a minimum retirement age and pension accounts or kick in some of these spending limits over time, um th- there is I think room for him to be able to approve something along those lines.
1: there's one thing that he can't do anything about and that's uh, eradicating the mosquito population uh, there. Uh <laughs> the zika virus uh, how much of a threat is that to the Brazilian economy? The Harvard uh, Medical uh, School uh, publication put out a, a story yesterday uh, calling on Brazil and the world to call off the Rio Olympic Games because they said the danger is too great
4: yeah, I think that the the larger repercussion of the of the Zika uh, virus epidemic is you know, is it going to take some of the, um, you know, some of the enthusiasm and reduce the tourism flow around the Olympic Games? We find it very unlikely that the Olympic Games will be cancelled, will be called off. Um, you know, I think that the Olympic Committee has already signaled this as such and we're pretty close to the, uh, to, to the Games themselves. And, and when it comes to the economy, however, it's important to realize that the economic repercussions are relatively mild. Uh, it doesn't really impact the working population. Um, you know given that the symptoms are are not severe for those who are infected evidently this is a this is a a very important health concern particularly when it comes to pregnant women but it's not the type of of virus and and health epidemics that can uh, that can impact economic growth in any substantial fashion
0: how unified is brazil when you look at their regions and their senate Are they a United States of Brazil like us? Are they a confederation, more Canadian or Swiss? What are they?
4: Yeah, Brazil is a very large federal republic. Uh, it has a long tradition of a consensus-oriented uh, political decision-making. So, you know, reforms are, are difficult to approve in Brazil, in part because you have, you know, a, a federal structure where governors have a lot of autonomy. You have uh, 25 political parties in Congress, so it's very difficult to negotiate reforms in Congress. Uh, and, in fact, what we're seeing today is probably a dose of a of a more polarized political environment than we've seen in a long time in Brazil, precisely because President Rousseff is being demoted from office in a context where her party, well, uh, the PT, thinks that the whole process is legitimate.
0: Christopher, thank you so much. Christopher Garman with Eurasia Group. Good morning.